This is the We Are Outdoorsmen podcast, built by outdoorsmen for outdoorsmen, presented by Herod Outdoors and Max Luer. Top line. Top line just got this. Yes, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> that was my fit. There we go. Oh, he does it again. Welcome back to another episode <laughs> of the We Are Outdoorsman podcast presented by Herod Outdoors and Max Lur. I'm Britton, joined as always by Bobby. <laughs> Dang. And Richie Harris. Jeez. We had... <laughs> Might as well do the foreplay turkey call. You oh, got that right absolutely. there, too. Whatever Tom wants. It is whatever Tom wants. And you know, we could still shoot a turkey, and I'm going to try to find one. So, Well, that's all we got to do is go drive up towards Kettle Falls. and Jeez, <laughs> you know, Cooley Dam, Grand Cooley, they're just full of them in town. Yeah. And my, my neighbor is, <laughs> he works for the city. He goes, you want to shoot some of those? I go, I'd like to. He goes, well, come on, I'll take you. I'm like, I'm not shooting in town. He's like, we want to get rid of them. <laughs> He's like... <laughs> I'm not, he's like, we can go up there by the city hall. I'm like, I'm not shooting in town. <laughs> shooting by the city hall? I was like, no. Oh, my God. It, hey, if they give you a green light. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm like, I'm not trusting you. That's like that time they gave me a green light to get rid of the geese down in the park. Now, if the if the police department or something came and said, that's okay. But the guy who works for the city, I don't think so. <laughs> When I win that first hunt, that's what I want to go do. Is when go you win the, the first hunt. Ah. <laughs> you can't so win the first have, hunt. Uh, you have to go hunt with us. Yeah. You can't go on the first hunt. You got to go well, with they us. They said I have to go with, I have to find a mentor first. <laughs> you've <laughs> you, got you've got Richie and I, so you're okay. You'll be all right. Yeah. Okay. We'll teach you the way. So ways. today on the podcast, we have a guest, Nello Pisanich. Did I say it right? Yeah. It's a tough one. Yeah, sorry. I had to take a, a swig of my <laughs> uh, new spe- my, my fresh special coffee. But uh, Nello is the director of CCA Washington, and he's going to come on to talk about all the good they're doing to uh, protect our fisheries in the state. Yeah, it's a great conversation. Protect and enhance. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, we're going to enhance. You're going to learn a lot more about CCA when in uh, the interview with, with Nello, but of course, CCA is a little bit different than other organizations you might be involved with in that they really focus on the political end of things. So your money goes to trying to change policy and law, which is what we need. And that's where the bottom line is. That, you know, we, we <laughs> you guys know I've been in this industry a long time and, and we've worked for, we started groups, Fish First, um, mm-hmm. Northwest Steel Headers, been involved with forever, you know trying to help enhance fisheries and a lot of stuff we basically made the the blatant statement you know we're not political we don't want to become political well (laughs) after a while of beating your head against the wall and and realizing that you you can't and won't get anything done unless you do become political you learn from your mistakes and that is one of the reasons that we brought CC up, up here 12 years ago yep. is is because of that. They, they were one of the strongest organizations in the United States at that time for fish enhancement and advocacy of, of fish. Yeah, that's the important part. They're advocates, and they do that by 
getting involved in the political and policy part of the process, which yes. is where the rubber meets the road. If you're ever going to really get anything done, yep. and I don't want to take away from any organization that does habitat improvement and no. and those kinds no. of things, but in the end, uh, if we really want to protect and enhance, it has to be done on that front end, which is the, where it matters. The thing about CCA is it, that has been tremendous and people don't realize or understand because we don't get enough information out is the fact that CCA up here in the Pacific Northwest, Washington and Oregon both have achieved more in a short period of time that they've been here, 12 oh, yeah. years, oh, yeah. and than all of the other uh, advocacy groups combined. And yeah. You know, we, we've got a lot done, and it's because of the fact that we have lobbyists, and that's where our money goes is to pay those guys to do the job that we ask them to do. Yeah, no, I agree. And and like I said, that's that's where it goes. You know, having worked in government myself, I know. Yep. I know that's yep. kind of where it matters because otherwise even people with good intentions, if policy says you got to do this, then that's where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, state and federal workers, that's where they're at doing that stuff. They have to abide by law and policy. So yep. it has to be worked on at that end. You need to change law and policy so we can really do the things yeah, that it, a lot of people would like to do. Absolutely. It, 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 you know, it's very unfortunate to have to deal in that arena. And, uh, but, well, it's that, sad. That, that, it's it, sad, quite frankly. Well, it, it, it yeah, <laughs> it, it's, we don't want to get going on that because I could get a little excited. Yeah. But, that is the only way that we will get anything achieved to help enhance our fisheries. And let's face it, boys, right now we're sitting in a position that this is some of the, the worst, you know, regardless of having a, a decent fall run, having a decent silver run, you know, we haven't fished steelhead in 10, 11 years up here in, in the upper, the upper Columbia. We're having to fish out of the drift boats. You use your drift boat to travel, but you have to stand on land to, you can't use uh, barbed hooks. You can't use bait. You can't use, you know, just go down the damn list. And it's on, it's on a daily basis that things change because of the fact that somebody has an idea that, oh, this will help. That will help. You know, there's no science based on, on a large percentage of it. No. And there really is you know what what we know will create change and help change people steer clear. So basically policy-wise, they're on the outside putting band-aids on peripheral issues and not really addressing the main issues whether it is predation, whether it is water enhancement, whether it is urbanization, whether, you know, they're steering clear of all of these things and, and putting, putting band-aids on everything. And that is one thing that, that CCA has been doing is trying to address some of those larger issues and with help of, of some of the other groups that, that are now, you know, stepping up to the plate and, and helping you know, we're, we're going to be able to start getting things done. I mean, look at the, the commercial fisheries on the, on the Columbia. Right. I mean, they finally had a buyback and we don't have a whole lot of uh, what we used to call the cowboys down in the lower river gill netting. We've eliminated a lot of those. We still have other issues, but in turn, uh, it's much better than it's ever been. That is one of the many issues that we've got. Yeah. Nello talks about it and I won't, uh, spoil the discussion but it is interesting that 
either they're supporting science to look at some of these things or they're utilizing the science in their advocacy, but kind of finding that a lot of this work that's been done, all these millions and billions of dollars of hasn't really been that effective. So well, it'll be interesting for you all to hear what Nell has to say about that. One of the biggest issues that, that we have today that, that really is hurting our fisheries is the fact that we're planting way less fish because of the Native Fish Society, all of these, these private groups that are trying to create, quote, native fisheries. You know, we don't have a native fish in this state in no. any river that exists. Everything has come out of a hatchery at one point or another. And in turn, hatchery and, and native, you know, they, they both coexist. It is part of what we have. We need to get more fish back in the system in order to help enhance things. I think and some people are listening to that going, oh, bullshit. But actually, if you stop and think about it, just for a second, we're really talking about fin clip versus non-fin clip fish. Correct. And the issue is, is that for the longest time, these hatchery fish were not fin clipped. Yeah. And so we couldn't differentiate between, and that was for years and years and, and years. And it still goes on. And it's still going on. And so you can't tell me that a non-fin clip fish, quote unquote, is native. It's Cause not. Because we, we don't really know. And we, uh, by looking at that, you could determine some of that by genetics. But what you're going to find is, is that the gene pool. Yeah. And, and because the hatchery systems, my brother's a hatchery manager, so I know something about this. Sure. You know, the hatchery systems work hard to not have a very simple gene pool. So they'll mix, quote-unquote, native fish with the hatchery fish to keep that gene pool sure. wide. So now you're now you're talking about genetics that are all mixed up. Well, yeah. See what I'm there, saying? There's, there, there's a lot of stuff. You that can't really that. say that you've got native versus not when, and, 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 when that was going on for so long. But let's, let's go back to the one, the one thing yeah. that I just made a statement on, that there is not a true native no. fish left in any of our systems. That's what I'm saying. There, therefore, you know, they quit planting a, a number of those smaller rivers down in the lower Columbia down there because of the fact that they wanted native fish. Well, you got no, you've got no fish in the system. Right. There are no. Right. So in turn, the only way that we're going to enhance anything is by utilizing the hatchery system. Yep. And, and this whole fin clip, non-fin clip bullshit is, is, is ridiculous. It, it, it's ludicrous. You know, they're just manage fish. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're managing people. Well, I know. But what I'm saying is we should not even worry about that at this point and just yeah. manage fish population. Absolutely. And they, and they do a good job. I mean, like I said, my brother works in the hatchery system. I know how much effort their biologists put into making sure that genetics are considered. Sure. Just, you know, just do that. Well, yeah, but, but let's put a few more fish in. Well, that's what I'm saying. Just yeah. Let's just do that. Let's not worry yeah. about a fin clip or no. F let's just get fish population going. Let's, yeah. let's yeah. work on good hatchery programs. You've got and, more people fishing put on more way fish less in fish. the river. Yeah. You let's know. do it. Yeah. It, it, it's a... Uh, it, it's, Nobody, it's not rocket science. I mean, it, well, it, it kind of is, isn't. There's a lot of politics. <laughs> all this well, it's all politics, every yeah, bit of it. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what CCA yeah, is right. working on, you know, trying to help eliminate or alleviate some of those issues and get, get some actual things done. Yeah. No, so. it's good. It's a good conversation, Britton. Yeah. So as you can tell, we're excited to have Nello on the podcast today. He'll be able to talk a little bit more about 
what CCA is doing to overcome some of these issues. And uh, we're excited about it. Today I'm speaking with Nell Sinich, and he is with CCA Washington. Is that correct, Nell? Are you with just with Washington, or are you with uh, multiple organizations? Uh, no, Richie, just with Washington. Awesome. So appreciate your time and speaking with us today. Yeah, you bet. You're welcome, and thanks for having me on the show. And before we get into a little bit about CCA and the kinds of thing you're working, uh, kinds of things that you're working on, I think it would be good just for our listeners to know a little bit about you. So what's your background? Yeah, I am a Washingtonian through and through, born and raised actually in the Puget Sound area in, in West Seattle. Uh, did uh, go to college down in, in Portland. Um, graduated with a degree in business and uh, worked for a while in the for-profit industry. And then after a while, just decided that I would prefer to do something that I was passionate about, and uh, that got me into the, I guess, the habitat restoration world. I worked for a couple of years for a group called the Lower Columbia Fish Enhancement Group uh, down in Vancouver, where I currently reside, Vancouver, Washington, and uh, and that was a, a, great, a great stint and worthwhile, but I learned in that process of doing habitat restoration that really, at the end of the day, um, we got to let these salmon back to these home waters where we're doing all this restoration work to protect and preserve them. If we don't let them back, there's, uh, to a certain extent, it doesn't make a, a, a lot of sense to, to do the habitat stuff. But so anyways, that's when I met Gary Loomis and uh, switched over to CCA. That was about 17 years ago or so. I did fundraising for a while and I am now the executive director of CCA Washington. Excellent. And so we've been using the acronym CCA. That stands for Coastal Conservation Association. And I suspect there's some people listening that don't know much about that. So I'll ask you to uh, give us a little brief history on how it started. And I guess the other thing is, you know, how did it come to the Northwest? Because it really has its roots down in the Gulf states, isn't that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yep, it actually started as the Gulf uh, Coast Conservation Association uh, years and years ago, almost 50 years ago now. So CCA started when a group of anglers came together in Texas and decided that they did not want to see the fate of, in particular, redfish uh, go down the tubes. Uh, that was a great species down there, a great game game fish. And they became very popular in the commercial industry, and the, the species was almost wiped out. So this group of less than 10 anglers came together, started uh, CCA, and decided that the best way to change the course of, of redfish, speckled trout, and other uh, other sport and game fish down on the coast was to band together and get involved in politics. Uh, they did just that. It was a bumpy road, of course, like it is probably everywhere in the country. And uh, they successfully got redfish uh, as a game fish, which, uh, you know, I think a lot of experts would point to and say that that, you know, likely saved that species from near mm -hmm. extinction or going extinction in, in commercial fisheries. 
Uh, it spread along the Gulf Coast uh, uh, and then onto the East Coast. And then about 15, 16 years ago, probably 20 years ago, Gary Loomis started a group called Fish First. He started that group probably 30 years ago, but did some habitat work up here. And then he came to the conclusion pretty quickly, too, that we have to do something in politics in order to really save these fish. So Gary Loomis did some research. He went around the country. I talked to a handful of different organizations that worked on behalf of the resource, behalf of recreational anglers, and decided that CCA was the best one to bring out here. And um, so he did a bunch of campaigning up in the Northwest, got to a 1,000 members pretty quickly, and that's how we got our start here in the Northwest. Yeah, and I think something that you said is probably worth uh, explaining a little bit more, and I think one thing that really sets CCA apart from other organizations that you might be involved with, you know, whether it's a hunting or fishing organization, is that CCA's focus is really on making a difference at the political level, uh, working with states and, and higher federal agencies to ensure that policies and laws that are put in place are going to help us meet our conservation goals, whereas other organizations tend to focus on doing the habitat work, CCA is really kind of on the back end and where it really matters. That's where the rubber meets the road. Isn't that correct? Yeah, I, that, is, that is a very good assessment. And I, I would say that the value that we bring, the habitat work is very important stuff to do. The value that we bring is trying to ensure that we get the bang for the buck for those habitat dollars here in the Northwest. Right. Uh, but, yes, we work at the political level. We work with uh, local fisheries managers, federal fisheries managers. We work with our local uh, representatives up to our governor's office. And then we also have a, a federal lobbyist as well that represents all of us, uh, all of the different states up in uh, in D.C. I kind of see it as uh, an organization that clears the way for people that are doing the work on the ground so that we're putting, like you say, putting the money where it can be most effective and and not have these, you know, these political barriers in the way. Yep, right. That's a, that is a great way to explain it. So um, how is CCA organized? Uh, you know, here in north central Washington, we have a chapter. So are all states that way where they have uh, a state organization and then chapters? And then as you answer that, kind of explain what the chapter's roles are. Yeah, uh, yeah. We uh, each state is organized this way. Um, generally speaking, the the larger states do have staff like myself. I am a I am a paid staff, and there is one other paid staff member, Grant, uh, that works here in this office as well. So each chapter is you know is a state chapter. Uh, the the focus and our goal and the heart of our organization is membership and growing membership, and so. The best way and the best model that we have found to do that is to start individual chapters within each state. So where you're at in the North Central Washington chapter, we have a handful of very engaged uh, volunteers up there. Bobby Loomis is the chapter president and has got a lot of great volunteers working around and alongside of him as well. And we have in this state, uh, pre-COVID, had, had 18, they still have 18 chapters. Uh, they're not all active like they were um, uh, pre-COVID, but we have 18 chapters all up and down the I-5 corridor and uh, five or six on the east side of the state and then one on up on the peninsula and one on the coast uh, out in Aberdeen. And so our chapter here in north central Washington for, I don't know, the last about decade now, we have an annual either banquet and it's kind of evolved a little bit. I think COVID sort of kind of put the squash on banquets a little bit, but what we did realize is that 
our biggest bang for the buck has been the salmon derby. So we have the Wenatchee Salmon Derby, also called the the annual Peter Floor Memorial Salmon Derby. Peter Floor was an individual that worked at Hooked on Toys and was actively involved with CCA and and helping grow those kinds of things. And so that's kind of what we do here. Our other chapters working on similar kinds of uh, do they do banquets, derbies, uh, all of the above? Uh, yep, all of the above. And each each chapter's goal is to do um, a, 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 some type of event. Um, most most of them do a fundraising banquet annually. A lot of chapters also do a couple of handful of chapters now also do a derby like in like what you see with the Wenatchee Salmon Derby. We have a couple of derbies, one at Baker Lake, another King of the Reach Derby, which is a, a unique uh, live capture derby. Uh, but almost every chapter uh, runs a, a fundraising banquet, and that is the, the number one tool or the best tool, I would say, that we have to to gain and to grow membership. Everybody that attends the CCA banquet, uh, the membership is built into the ticket price. Of course, you and all your listeners have probably been to one or more fundraising banquets with a live auction, silent auction. They're generally a fun time, a great meal just to get together with some like-minded folks and enjoy a great cause. Absolutely, yeah. We really enjoyed the years of doing the banquet, and and I believe that we were pretty successful in raising money and getting membership. And um, I think uh, we'll talk a little bit how other people can get involved if they're not currently as we go uh, towards the end of this conversation. but. Maybe the next thing to talk about is, you know, kind of what are the current issues that are you're working on right now? For the longest time, of course, we've been talking about gill nets in the Columbia River, and I'm assuming that's still a still an issue that you're trying to address. But uh, um, what are the important issues that CCA is working on? Yeah, that is a that is a loaded question, and and mm-hmm. uh, I, I think I think the uh, look you could go around the state to different rivers to different watersheds and we could all talk about probably one or two or more things uh that need to be worked on and uh, on several of these bigger picture things that you know CCA is and is actively working on but I, one of the bigger things that we are trying to figure out or we're working on right now is how can we get more of our wild salmon back to our watersheds so there was this study that was recently done uh, out of Oregon State University that basically said, I think what we've all known all along, we, we've spent billions and billions of dollars on restoration efforts in the Pacific Northwest, and they have done, on, on, a, on a holistic scale, when you look at, at all salmon in the Northwest, has done virtually nothing. Now, I we'll put the caveat that there are certain species that have recovered there are species that have recovered are struggling again and there are species that are starting to recover so uh you know you could go around to the individual watersheds and point on things that are are working you can for sure but what this study said is just holistically on the grand scale these billions of dollars we're investing have done virtually nothing to protect our salmon and when you look at it richie it's it i look at it like this we have federal managers that basically say, yeah, the species is struggling, but we can still kill X number of this species in fisheries. And so um, my, my comparison is you, you build, a, you know, you build a, an apartment complex or whatever it is, it, and it houses 100 people. So you get 100 people that can live in there. You got all the infrastructure. You got the refrigerators. You got the food. You got everything they need. Uh, but you only let 10 in the front, you know, into the complex, mm-hmm. into the apartment complex. <laughs> you, get, right. you built it right. for 100, 
but you are intentionally only letting 10 in. And that's what our fisheries managers do. They intentionally only let back a certain number of species to the watershed. It's called maximum sustainable yield. And when you're trying to maximize your harvest, that results in what's called a minimum escapement. So all of our rivers are literally, you try to get the minimum number of fish back that fisheries managers believe are going to sustain that population. And at the same time, you are maximizing the amount of fish that are being harvested out in the ocean. So, uh, so that takes me to what we're working on, a bigger picture thing, is how we can better engage in that federal process. There's a group called the Pacific Fisheries Management Council, often referred to as PFMC. They're the ones that really dictate how and where these fish get killed. Now, CCA doesn't ever want to get actively engaged into an allocation battle. We we are not here to fight over the last dead fish. We're here to make sure right. that there's fish that exist that we can count on our kids, grandkids, whatever, harvesting into the future. And so that's one that's one avenue that we are that we are going down. I'll, I'm just gonna. I know I'm long winded here for a sec, but um, this last year, uh, tules were the limiting factor, uh, limiting species for basically how the seasons were structured in Washington and the Washington coast, and in particular the Columbia River. I'm just going to point out one thing from from 2022 to 2023, tules were the limiting factor in both years because of restrictions in California, up in Alaska, court mandated restrictions. California closed some rivers, uh, the Sacramento and the Klamath River that impacted fisheries on the Oregon coast, the California coast. So those fisheries lost some allocation that they were given from the fisheries managers, which you understand because they intentionally right. chose to close those rivers. Alaska was closed down for state order. So that left some extra fish to be allocated up among the groups. And I just find this fascinating. All other fisheries increased except for the Columbia River freshwater fishery <laughs> is the only one that fisheries managers actually chose to decrease the amount of fish that they allotted uh, for that fishery. So uh, I only bring that's a long-winded story, Rich. I only bring that up to tell you that generally speaking, the freshwater, the in-river fisheries, which is where we need to be returning these wild fish anyways, get the short end of the stick year in and year out. And that is going to be something that we are working on changing here in the upcoming years. Yeah, and I think that's a good explanation. And, and one thing I would have you kind of expand on a little bit more um, is that it seems like whenever we have a lot of these discussions at higher levels, whether it's fisheries or on the wildlife side, is that the hunters and fishermen tend to get the short end of the stick. And so there's not there's not always somebody. I mean, there are organizations out there doing this, but I guess my point is that um, you know we we need to have a voice, and organizations like CCA are the ones that give us a voice. Like we should be considered in some of this. And like you said, you probably don't want to get in the allocation discussion, but we need to be considered in that. And it just so happens that sportsmen and women are the ones that really care the most about getting these dang things back. You know, so I think. A really cool thing about CCA is that you you're a voice for for fishermen. Yep, yep, and and I, you know I I would say the allocation battles on in this particular case they they can be important and in our wheelhouse and something that we engage in simply because of the types of gear that is used to target these fish. And so there's been a large push by CCA to move more towards selective fisheries. Uh, 
mark selective fisheries in particular so that we can get more of our wild fish back to the spawning grounds while at the same time harvest more of the hatchery fish that we are producing specifically for harvest. And so the more that we can move towards selective fisheries, which at the moment really only occur in freshwater fisheries, you very rarely have. You could have a mark selective recreational fishery out in the ocean, and they did that. They've done that the last few years. But, um, you know, the commercial gears out there, they catch and kill and ensnare, you know, pretty much everything that swims into them. And that that's not good for the target species. That's also not good for the non-target species that Right. You know, the, you know the, the trawl fisheries, et cetera. Even the gillnets have exorbitantly high uh, bycatch of non-target species, depending on when they fish. So that's when the allocation is important: is when you can focus on techniques and gears and methods that are able to harvest the fish which are there to be harvested, which are hatchery fish. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's really important that you know, sportsmen and women have a voice in a lot yep. of these. Discussions, and that's why I think organizations like CCA are so important because you're you're doing that, and and you're really watching out for you know the the group of species that we're we're talking about specifically the salmonoids, and so that's that's super important. So you know, given that, how do people get involved? Yeah, that is that is a great question. I'm just going to touch real quick on being a voice for for fishermen. Also, I, that, that we we do consider ourselves to be a, vo- a voice for fishermen for conservation minded fishermen. And we work a lot with other organizations in this state uh, as well, with uh, NSI, NMTA, using a lot of acronyms there, but um, American Sport Fishing Association uh, and others. Uh, when we can come together on an issue, it is very powerful when all these groups um, um, work together. But as far as getting involved, you know, the, the best way for us, uh, for, for individuals who want to get engaged, is to reach out to your local chapter. Uh, mm-hmm. find out how to get involved there first because the local chapter is up to speed on the local issues that are going on. Uh, there's generally one, you know, two to three, maybe five or six individuals from local chapters that I probably talk to on a monthly basis, <laughs> if not more than that. But get involved with the local chapter, see where you can engage, help plan a, a, a banquet, help with the chapter meetings, help with the derby if the chapter is doing the derby. Uh, and then, uh, you know, if, if something like advocacy, what I've been talking about, these numbers and everything is something that you're passionate about. We also have statewide committees and there's one called the government relations committee and, uh, engage in our government relations committee, get active, start talking to the commissioners, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, uh, I'll just, I'll tell you what, the, the volunteer hours, uh, could go very, very quickly if you get into the advocacy world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, just getting involved with the, the chapter like many of us have done to help out with banquets or work on local issues is, is great. And like you said, you kind of started out the importance of, of uh, just a strong membership because that gives yeah. voice to a lot of people. And so becoming a member, getting involved with your local chapters is the best way. And you can find for Washington, well, really any of the chapters, you can go do a little search on Google for CCA for the state you're in. And you had mentioned that it, CCA is in multiple states. So if you're listening to this and you're in another state that touches saltwater in particular, Oregon or California, get involved with your state chapter too, right? That's ab- Yeah, that's absolutely right. Re- reach out to them, see how you can get engaged and uh you know just just the membership is forty dollars just joining cca is also super helpful one thing that we do many many times a year richie is we do these things called action alert so 
we, we try to make it easy for folks to engage in advocacy and uh, essentially you get an email that says uh, click this button and you can email your state, wh whatever it is. You can email the commission, the director, your state legislators, your federal elected officials and send them a message. And we have power in numbers. So the more members that we have, the more emails that are going into these elected officials and so forth, the, the stronger our voice and the more we're able to accomplish. Exactly. Well, that's great. Thanks for telling us so much about CCA Washington in particular. Thanks for the work you do, and uh, hopefully I'll see you around soon, huh? Yeah, you're welcome, and thanks for having me. It was great talking. Yep. We'll talk to you soon, though. Okay, thank you. Welcome back, and a huge thanks to Nello for jumping on with us and sharing all of that knowledge of what CCA is doing, um, re really cool stuff. And Bobby and I are actually involved in our local chapter. We run the Wenatchee Salmon Derby every summer, and we encourage everyone to get over and go do that. We'll be finalizing a date for 2024 here soon. But uh, all in all, good stuff to, to ponder over and hopefully join a local chapter. There's plenty of chapters in Washington to join, right, Bobby? Yes. Yeah, I think there's uh, 11 chapters throughout the state. And, um, you know, it, some of them, uh, all of them help. Everybody helps. The, the money for your membership goes directly to helping enhance the fisheries in the state. And it's it's something that, that, you know, the more people involved, it comes down to numbers, you know, constituents, people voting, people people. Uh, donating uh, their membership money. It, you know, it, it, it's a tremendous, tremendous program. And, and all of them have, they, uh, one of them puts on the uh, Baker Lake Derby, the Sockeye Derby. Another one does the, the King of the Reach, which is a tremendous, tremendous broodstock program that helps enhance the upper river. You know, there, there's a lot of things out there that every one of them does to help bring in people, bring in money, and help enhance our fisheries. Yeah, and that's one thing Nello pointed out is just the the importance of the membership yes and yes so that's uh what i would encourage you to do become a member of cca yeah it's yeah. not that expensive now it's 35, 35 bucks, bucks, for, bucks for a year for, for a, a year membership. And, and get a great magazine called tide that has wonderful articles in it yeah so you can sign up at cca.washington.org and uh they can go peruse the different chapters on there and uh see what everyone's got going they got a good calendar of events yeah, go, go, go take advantage of that and uh, help us enhance our fisheries. Absolutely. We are going to jump into some late fall, early winter fishing talk. And what's been hot right now in our neck of the woods is Lakeland Kokanee. Yeah, the Kokanee fisheries have, have been uh, fishing pretty good. You know, Jeffrey's gone out a few times with uh, a couple buddies. And I mean, the, the fish, he said, you know, out of, out of a 30 fish limit, Four or five fish will be down in that, you know, 11-inch range. Right. But he said predominantly two-thirds of the fish are, are all 12 to 13-inch fat fish. They're and really the fat. Yeah, and the stuff we've been we've been seeing posted by a few of the guides and, and a few people going out. I mean, I'll tell you what, those fish are gorgeous right now. Fatties. Yeah. God, they're just so chrome bright, too. Woo oh, yeah. Man, yeah. gotta love a Lake Chelan Kokanee. Oh, absolutely. We need to go. Yeah. <laughs> 
we, we, we say that. that a lot. I, I'd even make a trip up to go catch some kokanee. Yeah, it'd be fun. <laughs> we haven't. Oh, the other. Uh... Oh, he wants to make a trip up to go fishing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Hey, if you come up here, you need to bring us some more Wood Family spirits. Yes, you do. Because dang, this is good, and I know I'm getting low. So yeah, my coffee's. Kind I of... just polished. I just polished off another bottle of Wood Family. Uh... <laughs> Bourbon. Yeah, was it, bourbon wasn't that to, that to case that he was uh, supposed to give my us? My second special mm-hmm. coffee of the day. Yeah, that my, that was that case that he was supposed to give us. My uh, special coffee is a good one. It's uh, it's doing me right at the moment. <laughs> yeah, you know it, it it's uh, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, another we need to walleye another fish. Another fishery too. that does well. Well, we, yeah, we need a walleye fish. But before we get to that, what's the the prog- prognosis on? Uh, roosevelt trout right now um i've seen a few few guys posting lately and they're catching some really nice fish i saw eric magnuson had gone out and, and bank fish the other day man I they caught that. some really nice fish some 17 18 inch rainbows you know just gorgeous fish is that where they were lake roosevelt yeah i think i believe so that, yeah that's where God, it was they at. caught some really nice oh fish. yeah and you know uh, remember stephen morris yeah you know he, yeah those guys, uh, he and and Troy Black and a few of those guys that, that fish those those winter trout fisheries, are starting into that stuff. I've seen some really nice yeah, fish posted. Yeah, so, Troy Troy's posted a few. Yeah, yeah. Like he's doing trips, but well, I'll tell you, I love that bank fishing. Oh yeah. We used to go up there. <laughs> I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, but we used to go up there to Rufus Woods, <laughs> and we would build a fire on yep. the bank yep. in our coveralls and sit there and drink special coffee and catch those big old triploid trout off the bank. Yeah. Talk yeah. about fun. I will never forget the first time I went up there. I took Kimberly. I told yeah. her, I said, we're, we're going to yeah. go up and catch some big rainbows. Yeah. And she goes, okay. So, of course, she sleeps all the way up there. Of course. And I get out, <laughs> and I didn't want to wake her up. I wanted to get everything set, you know. So what's the first thing you do before you do anything? You bait up and you throw, throw out. Throw a line. Yeah. So I got, I got two rods. I got two rods in the water. I start building a fire. I get a fire going. I go in and I, I mean, that was, you know, eight, nine minutes. I look down and her rod is pegged in it and it's getting sucked into the river. And I'm screaming at her to get out of the Jeep. And she, she hops out, <laughs> runs down there. The oh. first fish she lands is like eight and a half pound rainbow. Oh, yeah. And we're looking at this fish going, holy cow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it was, it was something else. Yeah. In those days when we were doing this, yeah. that was back in the 90s, they were all toads. Do you, you remember that toads. trip that you, you and I and Kimberly oh. when we went kokanee oh. fishing in the oh, morning? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So we went... Uh, well, we had this plan, actually, that we were going to fish three bodies of water. We didn't quite make it, but we went up to Buffalo Lake yeah. on the Colville Reservation, and we caught a nice limit of kokanee, yeah. and we did it pretty quick. So we thought, well, let's go let's go down to Rufus, right down the hill, and we'll catch some rainbows. So we go down there, and we fiddly fart around, and the river was high. Yeah, it was rolling. And finally, I had said to you i said i think we need to fish a seam because tyler and i had fished before mm-hmm. and i was finding points and seams and fish were holding there so we found remember we found this spot on the yeah be the south side of the river and we just tucked the boat no it was on the north no side it was there. on the south side we tucked the boat up against the the bank yeah and we got kind of back in just a little pocket yeah a little, the, little pocket and then we we're just fishing right 
in front of the boat, you know, right on the side of the boat on this seam, just like tossing in and drifting right on that seam right in front of us. And we caught, <laughs> there wasn't a fish under 10 pounds. No, they were all, all over 10 They were pounds. all over 10 pounds, <laughs> one close to 15. And, and we had our, li- and we got our limit there. Oh yeah. And then we're like, let's go up to Banks Lake. <laughs> so we pull everything out. We go get the boat back up. We stop, I think maybe get a ice cream or something. Yeah. And then we're like, Ah, oh, screw it. Let's go home. I'm tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> God, oh, that those was... things were huge. Oh, they were. They they were gorgeous fish. Holy cow! Had a limit of coconut, a limit of limit of uh, triploids. Oh, yeah, we wanted to get yeah a limit of walleye real bad, but we we wimped out. Yeah, yeah, we did. But I'll tell you what, th- those fish were beautiful. Holy cow! They uh, are really good eating fish. Yes. Oh, they're tremendous. And if you've never eaten one of those triploids rainbows they're i i always say this they're remind me of a spring chinook yeah the oil content is that high yep and it's just they're so good they just melt in your mouth and you know what we did when we do the bank thing is we take a royal tinfoil and some butter yeah. and seasonings and <laughs> yep. we would oh sure went right there absolutely <laughs> put cook, it right in the fire it was so right good yeah. oh man let's go that sounds fun you know it does <laughs> I haven't done that He's not that uh, style of fishing yet, but what I have done up in that area is the walleye fishing this time of year. Yeah, that's a blast. And you could you could uh, troll for the walleye at Rufus as well at this time of year. They're not as big though, right? Well, I mean, I there's there's it's... there's good fish in there, but but you know, there's other places at this time of the year when when the water cools down like that, it kills off the food and the hiding source for all your bait fish so the bait fish go to shelves drop-offs areas that that are protected and in turn your bigger fish will follow so basically when that water cools off everything dies off the bait fish and your bait moves to another area your larger fish will follow you bet and in turn it concentrates the fish so that is why, you know, we, we started jigging up there on, on uh, banks and doing some of that stuff. That's, you know, I mean, what would we do? Like that first year we went out, I mean, we caught probably 50 plus fish mm-hmm. and there wasn't a fish under 20 inches. It was ridiculous. Yeah. In like two and a half hours jigging. Yeah, none, none of us could feel our hands, but it yeah. sure was fun. Oh, it, it <laughs> was so yeah, cold. Getting the hooks out of those walleye's mouth, you just look and your hands are just all bleeding. You can't feel them, but can't yeah. feel them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it's worth it. Oh, it, it's it's a lot of fun. You know, when those fish are concentrated like that, I would rather jig than anything yeah. because it's direct. You know, it, it, it's a direct bite. You're not having to pull a bunch of gear. You know, it's like salmon fishing with a, with a, a large... Uh, paddle flasher and all of that gear and everything fishing a piece of lead and a, and a small piece of bait god it's so much fun. oh my god and then they or, or fishing a jig you know where, where you're direct to the fish and there's nothing like having a walleye smack a jig oh yeah they hit it hard and yeah, you know do. you got it yeah god it's fun and uh our new jig the smile blade sd drift jig should be really fun to go try out this year um we've typically used the sonic bait fish and we still will because it's absolutely dynamite for that style of fishing but the smile blade sd drift jig we didn't have any last year to try out eric broughton was was testing out some of them for us once they got it in there and i'm really excited to see how that works up there because it almost seems like it's dialed in exactly for that 
Well, oh. it, you know, it, it kind of is with that that uh, one inch wire on the hitch with the with the smile blade and the beads. You know, we designed that whole the smile blade SD drift jig was was a design to kind of uh, it's kind of halfway between a spinner, halfway between a jig. And it's called a slow drop jig for a reason yeah. with the smile blade on it. It slows it down. Right. So it, it really works extremely well for jigging for walleye. Yeah, yeah. And you know you can put plastics on it you can put a night crawler on it. it's it got a keeper on the hook um it's a deep bend hook so it hooks fish better and it keeps fish on better so the 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 whole thing was designed around walleye fishing but as you saw the other day twitching for coho it works really well also yeah. <laughs> or you know there's a lot of things that that it's going to work really really well for yeah you know changing up colors on the hitches uh, with the jigs um you can put it in front of a swim bait the hitch you can put in front of uh crank bait. you can put it in front of anything yeah so it's it, it's a tremendous tool yeah i can't wait to yeah so what i was talking about is we sell the the sd hitch as a three-pack component so you can literally use it in line while you're trolling you can put it in front of your plugs you can put it in front of anything to kind of enhance the the presentation of what you're fishing so yep. very excited about that when we're typically fishing up there we've been using you know the glow white sonic bait fish um fishing it horizontally and uh just pounding it off the bottom and that's worked really well too let's yeah. see what and what color oh that's right we use white yeah. white white they just they puking just, up all that kokanee. They just planted a whole bunch of uh, bait recently yes. up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, you know. We always say that kind of quote unquote match the hatch. Yeah. And so this time of year, when the sun's not shining as much, things are kind of white. Well, any <laughs> they're, they're any any dark. small any small bait fish is white on the belly, yep. black on the back. You know, let's face it. We, we've all all of the colors actually work pretty pretty well. Yeah. But that that white but the one, glow yeah. white. Yeah. Yeah. The glow white with the black stripes. That's a yeah beauty. It works. So speaking of jigging, we're getting into that fun part of the year where it gets a little colder and the lakes start freezing over, and we get to go do a little bit of ice fishing. And it's never too early to kind of talk about what Maxler offers, but also kind of different areas to go fish and one place we fished a couple years ago was uh, curlew and right. that should be hot again this year uh fishing for the perch there and, and the trout through the ice yeah. yeah yeah it should be real good well we the one thing i'm worried about this year is it's gonna get we're gonna have much cold i you know <laughs> we look, gotta have look, some more cold at the, look at the farmer's almanac and and you know, it kind of sweeps down a little bit, but the northeast corner of the state's going to freeze again. Yeah, I mean, usually, usually gets pretty cold in that yeah. neck of the woods, but yeah, this long range forecast is a little warmer than normal, so we might it might be a short ice season. Who knows? I mean, I know one thing right now. This morning is the first below freezing temperature. Here we are in the middle of November at this time of recording that we've had below freezing temperatures well i mean we had a little bit bit when it snowed but i mean for the last couple weeks yeah it was almost 60 degrees yesterday yeah i know i did yard work in a t-shirt yesterday see there you go (laughs) so we're we're gonna we're gonna need it to change well it 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 will and and the whole and the whole ice fishery is something that you know it's becoming a uh, it's a very large growing faction out here because as we talked about earlier with with nello uh you know the when you talk about Washington and Oregon, the first thing that comes to mind is steelhead and salmon. Yeah, yeah. 
And with those fisheries going down as low as they are and everything else, everybody starts turning to something else. You know, most of the salmon guides, steelhead guides turn to walleye fishing. Right. Well, a lot of the consumers are out there looking for something. And during the winter, they're traveling to go ice fishing. Yeah. And, and the ice fishery has become a very, very big issue yeah. over the last few years out here in the Pacific Northwest. And it's something that, you know, at, at Max, w one of the first... Uh, one of the first products that was brought online with the wedding ring, which was the first product, was the glow hooks. Right. And the glow hooks, you know, they're phenomenal. You can fish them by themselves. You can fish them in conjunction with, you know, we, we put it on the back of a, a sonic bait fish for weight to get it down and draw yep. fish to it. Or you can use like what we did for a kokanee. Up yeah, in that's up in awesome. BC and and uh, Montana and a couple other places, yeah. use a sling blade for for attracting fish or bringing fish yep. in, and then have that that glow hook down there tipped with a, a piece of corn or, or a, a maggot. maggot or something like that. Mm -hmm. A little split shot on oh, the absolutely. on the leader of your of glow hook just to yeah. keep it from tangling up with your sling yeah. blade and absolutely and it works so good and yeah and you can watch some of those techniques on various episodes of the Northwest Outdoorsman on the Herod Outdoors YouTube channel, and you can see exactly how we do that. It's a really good technique for You know, one, one that, that, that still comes to mind is that uh, fishery that we did when we shot that show on Loon Lake. Yeah, Loon you Lake. Know, just, just fishing with a little bit of split shot and the glow hook. Yep. Just that itself, you know, was phenomenal. Those things glow tremendously, so you, you enhance it or, or flash it. Well... We were using uh, the black uh, light. Eric's little black light yeah. rings yeah. to charge them. So that's called nighttime kokanee. So if you go on there and you want to see the setup for those, that's a good episode for you to watch. Yeah. And the the, the BC uh, stuff that we did, yep. um, you know, with, with Mark and, and mm -hmm. uh, Danny, you know, setting up for kokanee fishing. That works well for trout also. Yes, that, it does. That type of setup with a sling blade and a... And a uh, glow hook yeah those those are great setups for that kind of fishery and then of course we did really well with the uh, perch fishing at curlew lake and we were using the smallest sonic bait fish yeah just fishing the straight and they would loved it oh man i'll tell you what that that was a lot of fun that orange one the orange that yeah. was the key no that one worked well of course i fished with white well white works good too but oh, yeah. orange seemed to work really well for those guys and i i think the the perch in general are slightly bigger. Mm -hmm. I think they're catching like last year. I'm pretty sure they were catching better size perch. Yeah, yeah. And you know, another one that doesn't get talked about a lot is uh, Fish Lake. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, we, I've got out and done Fish Lake a few times. And Fish Lake's up here by Lake Wenatchee, and it it's a great place to take kids because you just kind of walk, you know, not very far out. Yep. And you can just catch yeah, it's right around the corner. Yeah, you just catch fish till you're blue in the face yeah. it's pretty awesome there's a there's a large a large base of uh, perch you, in there do you think yeah <laughs> it must be one lake we didn't talk about and not necessarily for ice fishing and i don't think ice fishing at all but if it's going to be a little bit warmer and things aren't freezing over is long lake did really well for trout last year trolling oh yeah and you know just trolling literally just wedding rings i mean they've they were catching the heck out of some really nice rainbows in there any anything orange it, you know one of those glow yeah, orange wedding ring a glow orange uh 
a glow orange Dodger with what was the oh one of my favorites, an orange Wally Pop. Oh yeah, yeah. Trout oh pop, my god. Yeah. Remember that remember the size of those fish we oh, caught yeah. on Sprague Lake with oh, the orange Wally yeah, Pop? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, you know, those work really well. People underestimate the old wallipop. Oh, absolutely. I have caught every fish known to man on them things, yeah. including Chinook. Yeah. I, now, I haven't caught a Chinook on it, but I've, I've caught, caught silver. I caught two Chinook in a row Yeah, uh, down below the John Day Dam when yeah. we were walleye fishing. Purple wallipop with a worm, two Chinook, bam, bam. <laughs> So there you go. <laughs> Wally pops work great, but you know <laughs> anything orange, like Britain was saying, you yeah. know the uh, the orange wedding ring, um, anything orange like that. Uh, fishing that that long lake fishery is is tremendous. I mean, those guys went up and shot a show, you know, a couple yeah. years ago up there. That whole Spokane arm, you know, which dumps into Roosevelt up right. above Seven Bays, right. and that is. Uh, that's a tremendous, tremendous fishery during the winter. It is. We've never done that. That would be a fun one to do. Yeah. And Eric knows, Eric Magnuson knows that really yeah. well. Yeah. We should go up and. Yeah, we should go up and do it. That'd be a fun thing to do with him. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Be careful talking about purple lures during hate week. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh God, here we go. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be, an, it's going to be ugly. Sorry to say. I hope they're undefeated going in so we can just ruin their their send off into the Big Ten, those traitorous, traitorous huskies. Man. Oh. So much hate and hate and discontent. Discontent. It is. It's an absolute hate. <laughs> hate for the color, hate for the, the species of dog. God. Especially a hate for the football team. Yeah, uh, no grown man wakes up in the morning and wants to put the color purple on. Ten, ten and O, oh, baby. Ten and O. Oh. They they are underdogs to Oregon State this weekend. Go Beavs. Yeah. That'll be that'll be a damn good game because Oregon State has a great team also. So it'll be Hoops fun. Beat them. It'll well, be it'll you be know fun. What? I'd rather go fishing. <laughs> Well, I'm going to be we hunting should do and fishing, that. We, so. Yeah. It's been a rough football season. It, it, we should just go fishing. I think that's a I, good idea. I will be, for a matter of fact. And it's kind of a bummer. If I do go up there to Cooley Dam, I have no way to even even get very good seltzer. So I probably won't even see a score. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, that's, that's when, you, when are you going up? I'm, I'm, Thursday. The, huh? they're, uh, it's a 1 o'clock kick. And so that's I, I like the late apple cups because i only have like misery for like three or four hours before i go to bed at one <laughs> o'clock the rest of my day is going to be ruined yeah <laughs> yeah it's uh so wait now hold it we'll skip back to when are you going fishing well i'm i might fish i'm going up to hunt but if i if i go up there by myself i might fish one day this weekend well call me i might have to come up yeah okay all right because i i i gotta do something or i'm gonna go yeah, it just, it all depends on the wind. You know, like I told you this past weekend, there was so much oh, wind. You God. couldn't have been on the water if you wanted to. But yeah. I'm I'm going to go up there. I'm getting ready to archery deer hunt. So i checking a camera and doing a few other things. And if, if I stay there until the season opens, which is beyond Monday, mm-hmm. then if I don't burn hunt every day, I'll, I'm going to, and the weather's good, I'm going to go walleye fish. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll call you. Okay. Tell you, hey, I'm going in the morning. Get right. up here. Get yeah. your butt up here. I, I've got everything rigged, ready to go. So, okay. Well, I'll be up the week after uh, Thanksgiving. So, 
You can take me out for my birthday. Yeah, there you go. Okay. We'll go on a birthday cruise. Birthday cruise. Perfect. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thanks to Nello for jumping on and sharing everything about CCA. And we are going to get out of here. But we will talk to you later.